Welcome to the Blue and White Brothers, the podcast all about Penn State football. Conversation and commentary from a fan perspective. I'm Tom Gaffman. And I'm Andy Gaffman. And we are the Blue and and White White Brothers. Brothers. Two brothers. Two takes. One team. Well, everyone, here it is. Another week and a similar result uh, we watched the battle of Midway play out before our eyes. And, uh, well, like Tom said, he was hoping for a tale of two halves and it sure was, uh, a tale of two halves against Iowa. Um, but before we get into the game story, uh, I want to welcome my brother, my compadre, uh, partner in this, uh, losing endeavor, <laughs> Tom Gathman. Tom, how are you? How was your weekend? So the Pittsburgh Steelers are undefeated. <laughs> yeah, at, something to at root 10 for. 10 0. <laughs> Ravens and are on I'm a fit- losing streak, so my misery <laughs> yeah. continues. <laughs> and and your misery is my happiness in that context. <laughs> <laughs> True. <laughs> so yeah, I, it's um, you know, watching uh your beloved and I again, I to reiterate to people that may not be uh listening to every episode I live and die by Penn State football. I don't live and die by the Steelers football. I root for the Steelers, and I'm glad they're winning, and that's great. But my emotions and my, <laughs> that weekly are dictated somehow by this Penn State football team, which seems to be emotionless, uh, at least from a you know television perspective. That's all we the only window we get to really see. Yeah, just, it doesn't it doesn't feel like they're playing with a lot of heart right now. And like I'll I'll just join you in that like, you know, the the highs and lows of the of the football season and in in sort of my adult memory uh you know, there's just not a lot to compare this season to in terms of how to respond. I, you know, the dark years after um the Sandu- Sandusky incident was was one and I remember I was out in California at the time, so I, I fortunately wasn't getting a lot of Penn State football. Uh, oh, I was in, in the middle case. of it I, when but that like, was all going on. It was tough. It was really there is tough. A, there is a little bit of like, you know, you've got to find a way to get some emotional distance from it. And like, quite frankly, I would probably not be watching these games as intently. I would not be scheduling my weekend around the games right now if not for this podcast. Oh, and to be and to be clear, you you did not catch the uh, second half. So that is true. Um, so, <laughs> and not, and not so, because you didn't want to necessarily, but well, you... it was a win-win in this case <laughs> <laughs> for a lose-lose. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. A lose, 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 lose. But, um, but a win in the sense that you got to spend your second half of the game yeah, so, with your wife so on a first side of the, the disaster that has the rolling disaster of Penn state football. I, I had a really nice weekend. Um, it was, uh, Eileen's birthday. Um, we had a really nice uh, time together with some some good friends of ours that we've been sort of uh, in the in the quarantine bubble together. Um, we're still socially distant and outside. We we definitely want to make sure we're not contributing to this surge in cases that ex- we're experiencing all over us. But it was nice to see some friends um, and uh, have a celebration. Uh, we had some of Eileen's favorites. She definitely is like a small plate. Uh, type type of uh, person for celebration. So we had some cheeses and some, you know, t- tapas kinds of things with some, you know, some wine and uh, had a, had a cake, uh, a, a caramel apple crumb cake. 
was really, <laughs> we, really yummy. This is this is a heck of a way to start a podcast here. I mean, it was just it was nice. We had a nice time. Um, well, it's it's great, and I'm happy for you that you got to enjoy your day. Yeah, I, I I'm experiencing. <laughs> from a personal perspective, the exact opposite, because whereas you like have your wife and your children, you know, uh, I mean, I, I'm, I live with my girlfriend here. Um, and, but like, I, Who, by the way, by the way, she had a hand in the, in the party. Cause, uh, she, she you know this, Tom, but our listeners, yes. she's a, she's a goldsmith and she, um, actually helped to repair our wedding band, the wedding band that I had given her. I like and to feel I like able- I had a hand in that too. Oh, you definitely had a But hand I in did, that. even though I didn't. You did nothing. But yeah, no, that's everything. great. That's great. You and I was able to, yeah. I presented it to her and like sort of did like, because it was also our 20th anniversary this year, which during COVID we didn't get to celebrate. So everyone was around. I actually serenaded her with a song I sang to her when we were engaged and then like got down on my knee and presented represented the ring and, you know, said, will you stay married to me? It was great. She was, you know, she, she, you know, was a, will you stay married? Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I mean, it's worth checking in about. I wish James Franklin would do that to the fan base of the, Oh, and before we get, (laughs) yeah, right. Exactly. Will you stay married to me? (laughs) uh, It might be worth checking in on, but uh, before I leave this, I just, I have to say to you, Tom, that uh, I got Eileen to listen to the end of the last episode, and she she was so excited to hear the props that you gave her about being a great uh, football fan and a, yeah. and a Penn State supporter. So I mean, that's she, not common. I would. She say. thought she she kind of. I, I told her that we had done a little bit about about that last time, and she thought she was going to get thrown under the bus. So she really she appreciated uh, that you you noticed yeah, that of course. That, about her. Well, I can, I can recognize that, you know, there's the cliche of, of the wife or the girlfriend that is not supportive of their husband or boyfriend's love of sports and or football. That's a cliche that exists out there. So a lot of people would be like, you like football? You know, like Eileen loves football. That's awesome. And like, that's, you know, counter to a lot of the cliches and, and that's great. And, and it should be highlighted and celebrated for sure. And it's and one of those and, little things that, that, uh, keep, keeps you going after 20 years so, for sure. <laughs> so, well, yeah, well, so, so here I am, you know, um, with, with a girlfriend that a doesn't understand the actual game of football at all. <laughs> Like literally we just bought her a book that's a book by women for women about understanding football. It's like it has a girl has like this cute girl like jumping with a football on the cover. And it's like a a woman's guide to like understanding the game of football. That's You know, so she because she wants to like she's now realizing like this is her first season. (laughs) This is now her life (laughs) of me being a Penn State football fan and a football fan in general. Like, by the way, I watch everything like I, I have. Like I'm invested. I like I'm invested in football. I love it. So I was gonna tell you that like, well, you had a great you know what Saturday. You should, you should think about like starting a podcast or something. You're gonna <laughs> yeah. be that involved. <laughs> well, it's actually that's perfect, right? Yeah. So so while you were enjoying your Saturday away from football, like my weekends are heavily invested in football on an emotional level. Like I've got a fantasy team where I where our our league is a one hundred and fifty dollar buy in. So like. 
playing the game of fantasy football like isn't just about like having a good old time like i'm trying to recoup some of my money at the same time <laughs> nice. but so so that's beside the point but so you know that's showing the, the contrast between like what your weekend of penn state losing is like and then i shift gears and i'm trying to like watch other games to like rebuild my emotional like base from the <gasps> Hoping loss of something penn state will <laughs> yeah. you know turn and here it around and, and here my my fantasy football team which at the beginning of the season was you know rated as the best in my whole 12 person league like by far like it was like this guy's gonna win well saquon barkley went down and julio jones was injured and michael thomas blah 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 so like my fantasy football team is in tatters and is like i'm barely Sounds struggling like to make another team Sounds yeah. like another team I, well, I'm following so, right so now. So to get back on the subject of, of yeah. your wife being, uh, you know, a, a great supporter awesome. and also lo- a, a, like a lover of the game, even though my girlfriend doesn't understand the game of football or even necessarily like love it like I do, she now has to like realize and understand how much I do. And yet she's still supportive without the understanding. Cause here I am sitting in her goldsmith studio surrounded by all her goldsmithing gear where she has Thank to you, be, Kate. she has to be working right now. Like she's in the holiday crunch zone. Okay. So where, we got to like, wrap this thing up quick then, huh? I mean, let's, <laughs> yeah. I mean like it's, you know, time is money here. <laughs> Eight minutes in, uh, what are we going to do? So, yeah, we lost this this season, uh, this game, guys. Uh, so we'll talk to you next week. Yeah. All right. Well, good luck. It's a wrap. <laughs> yeah. Message received. All right. Um, where, where, I don't okay, know where so this, here's, this was not. The, we didn't plan to have this opening go the way it has. Do which, we ever? Yeah. Whatever. You know. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. So. Oh, oh yeah. by the way. By the way. Uh-huh. Real quick, Andy. Since we're just. Since this whole thing off the Since rails, we're off topic on everything. Uh, you know, the season's off the rails, man. Like, who's listening even? <laughs> you know? So, Joel, thank um, you. Thanks, Joel. Um, and I'll bring up a good point that Joel brought up later in this episode, pro- pop- probably. But so, you know, the last episode we recorded was Wednesday night um, doing the Iowa pregame or look ahead. And I poured myself a nice tall bourbon. But now that we've lost that game, I have now poured myself a tall screwdriver. So... Mm. Good morning, Monday. Yeah, well... This is where... Taking the edge off a little bit, are we, Tom? Been a rough weekend, man, you know? (laughs) Uh, And I need some vitamin C, so... (laughs) Well, well, look, here's what we're going to do today. Uh, We're going to uh, just do a rundown of the game, what happened. Um, We're not going to go into uh, too much detail, but try to, like, in broad strokes, recap what happened uh, as Tom said, I did not see the second half of the game, but I've uh, I, I was planning to watch it, but um, the opportunity did not present itself this weekend, uh, and so I've definitely familiarized myself with the happenings. We're going to talk through um, sort of the flow of the game, and then we're going to do a little bit of, of a bigger picture. Uh, we're going to try to do it in a creative way um, and tr- see if we can find some analogies in, in other stories for where we are right now. We'll try in a couple of those and see what happens. And we're going to because it's and, fun because analogies. Yeah, why are not? Fun. We got to yeah, we got to we got to find a way to keep it fresh. Uh, and then we'll um, close with just talking about some some of the coaching questions. I mean. We've been reluctant to go too far into it um, in, in terms of, of of asking because we don't have the know. whole picture. No, we, we don't, don't really but have the whole picture. We're we're just fans looking through the the TV Penn State's too. never been five and zero. Um, you, you know, th- there's a, a, a responsibility. You mean zero and five? I think. 
we well, were yeah, five we have been five and zero. Sorry, we were yeah. eight and zero last year. In fact, yeah, we, we went from we, eight and zero start to an zero and five start. In a we've never been zero and five in Penn State history, and you know, it, it starts and ends, uh, you know, with the coach in terms of uh, of what's going right and what's going wrong. So we, we will talk a little bit about that before the end of this episode. Not that we have solutions, but we're going to talk about it a little bit. So. Um, before we get there, Tom, let's dive in, um, you know, and uh, after a, a little bit of a shaky start on offense, uh, the first quarter really, in some respects, gave us a glimpse of, of the best version of this Penn State team that we've seen so far. At Which least from the start of a game. We're not trying to sugarcoat it. It was not. It's no it's not great. <laughs> even no, even it wasn't. I mean, best. it wasn't like world beaters, but like solid on defense. We held them to three points, um, you know. And then on our second offensive drive, what was it like seventy-five yards over eleven plays or something like that? Uh, yeah, fourteen it was, plays. It, yeah, for fourteen touchdown. plays. Seventy-five six yards. Minute six grinding minutes. drive. Will Levis on the QB run. Um, you know, really, really pushed. We pushed into their. He was defense. a battering ram. He was he a. Was a ram. He was a, a battering ram. Um, uh, pretty good on in terms of his his passing plays, which uh, by the way proved itself not to be sustainable. Well, that was my concern at the time for sure. Everybody, um, but nonetheless, we you know there we were, um, you know toward the end of the first quarter, two minutes left in the first quarter. And we were up seven to three, and you know, in terms of the of game starts so far this season, it was probably the best we've seen since the Indiana game. Probably, yeah. You know, so there was a lot of reason for for hope that it was going to be a good game, and I and I felt I felt cautiously optimistic at that point. Same, but all that went out the window. Um, Starting on the very next drive uh, by Iowa, um, the second and third quarter saw Iowa score 28 unanswered points. Yeah. So that by partway through the third quarter, we were down 31 to 7. And there again, you've got the, you know, multiple frames where you're giving up, you know, two or three scores per frame. Um, you're down, you know, three scores at some point in the game. And again, as much as we've seen um, some some yards being um, scored, not scored, but, you know, we, 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 yards gained. being gained yeah. by this Kirk Chirac offense, we haven't seen anything that would resemble an offense that can can sort of come behind from behind and score points quickly. So like well, you know, so down here. 31-7 in some ways like all the other games that we've seen it felt like the game was already lost before well, the fourth quarter. Let me <laughs> certainly it certainly was. But so here's, you know, real quick just to give you a recap after after that 14 play 75-yard touchdown drive which gave us the lead for the first time I think since the Indiana game was a first lead since yes, the Indiana that's game. right. I saw there was a little uh, thing that came on the screen at that time. It was like first lead since. <laughs> so so as a fan, you're like, oh my gosh, you're like, I'm, you know, Pavlov's dog effect. Like I'm salivating at the idea of a win here. You yeah. know, like just give even me a any... decent performance. Yeah. So, so, but then of course our defense responded by allowing them to score on a 75 yard touchdown drive 
immediately following that. So immediately we talk, following. We talk about complimentary football. And by the way, it, that was scored in two minutes and 37 seconds. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. was. It was like... So, no resistance by so the that that was our, our our immediate team response was to allow them to score a touchdown but our offensive response was the next uh however many drives i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna give you the rest of our drives from t- till the end of this uh the second quarter the end of the, the first half okay yep. so it was the next drive after that touchdown the offense came out and had three plays for four yards and punted then after that four plays for 12 yards with a fumble then after that Six plays, uh, and we gave it up on downs after after um, gaining 35 total yards in that drive. Then the next one, six plays, gave the ball up on downs, turned it over on downs. Then uh, Iowa scored a touchdown with, um, I don't even know how much time was 42 left. 42 seconds left, I think. Or? 42 seconds left in the clock. And, you know. No, I'm get, sorry. They, they ran it all the way down. It was like seven seconds left. Oh, okay. Um, regardless. No, I think we think we think you were right. Forty-two seconds. It was a forty-two second drive. Drive. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So, we, yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right about that. And then there were seven seconds left when we got the ball over, and we just downed the ball. Um, so, you know, that's. I mean, talk about a team that didn't come out and do a dang thing after that well, uh, and touchdown then, scoring drive. So, now, no, 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 wait, no, wait. So I'm look, not quite hold, done. Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, 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 please. Okay. In fact, I will let you talk, but I want to get into what we did coming out of the second half. Well, that's what well. I was going to say. Like, yeah. So we come back out, Levis, you know, still in at quarterback, and he hadn't, drive. he hadn't, yeah, he hadn't, I don't, uh, did, did he, I don't think he turned it over yet. And by the way, nobody, there was no yeah, turnover. He had, he had fumbled it. Oh, you're right. It. You're right. Yeah, you know, the, you're right. You're right. It was him so, that fumbled it, though. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So then he comes out. Um, we have one play, negative six yards, fumble. Then three plays. Yeah, that's our first drive. Our first drive. One yard. One play, f- fumble. Well, no, one play for negative six yards, and then and we fumble. fumbled it, I think. Yeah. And then we come back out after that, three plays, one yard, punt. Uh, and a punt. Oh, and we so, gave up a touchdown in between those two drives, mind you, correct. for the 28-point so, scoring so, endeavor. So basically, <laughs> you know, we, we come to, you know, four minutes left in the third quarter. We're down um, – we're down – well, hold on. Get it together. Yeah, so, I'm hearing clicks. Uh, You're clicking. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> we're four minutes and 49 <laughs> seconds in the third. 40, 49 minutes – Four minutes, 49 seconds left in the third. We're down 31 to seven. And, yeah. you know, and then it's just Clifford like. Clifford comes in. Clifford right, comes in. Right. And then we see Sean Clifford. And that, so this sort of, that gets us to sort of the next sort of phase of this game where we see the return of Sean Clifford off of the bench. Off the and bench. What, Maybe he learned his lesson. Let's see what he can do. Right. I mean, nothing to lose. You're down three scores as it is. Right. And uh, now. But but, the, but are you sure so, there's nothing to lose? I mean, well, you're talking, maybe you're talking about there's nothing to lose in terms mental. of the game. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. But what, but what is there? There might be things to lose. Oh, man, we've lost so much. You, but, but in any case, so they, they, there's put, a, they put. There's a bigger conversation there, and, and I want to get into we'll, that we'll get a there. little bit We'll as get well. there. So, so anyway, um, now the defense uh, got us a fumble. We recovered the ball at the Iowa 27. I think um, the Lamont Wade recovery. Uh, uh, Clifford comes in one play, twenty-eight yards, 
touched boom boom one right to, right to brenton strange um you know an up-and-coming an up-and-coming <laughs> up tight end who we're gonna need because you know right as we haven't highlighted yet pat fryermuth is out for the season now from an injury he sustained in the Ohio State game, which would be the reason why he wasn't able to score in that 75-yard reception, you know, because he looked so slow as molasses due to injury. But I digress. So, I digress. So, look, it's – it's and now we had that point after blocked. Way to go. Um, but a little sign of life at 31-13. But, but, but the point after blocked is literally what you would expect at this point. Oh, man, Totally. It's like, so oh, oh, now look, defense. So defense uh, allows a drive in the field goal territory. Iowa misses the field goal. We take over, and Sean Clifford's second pass, boom, sixty-eight, 68 yards, yards for a touchdown. <laughs> yeah. Whoa! Two plays, two, two passes, passes, two, two touchdowns. touchdowns. Two brothers, one team, two touchdowns. <laughs> Um, so <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, I, we're talking about less than, I think it was like, tr- that's a total of 21 seconds off the clock yep. between those two plays. And we have 14 points and he has, he's two for two for 96 yards and two touchdowns. Sean so here we are. Wow. What here we are literally on? at the end of the third quarter. We've just scored, uh, 14 unanswered points. We're now within 10 and defense comes out and plays complimentary football. Yep. Holds them to six plays for 23 yards. They punt the ball away. And here we are. Clifford gets the ball back with 11.53, down 10. And what does he do? And anything could happen at this point. The game, is in, the game is in the balance. Every play matters from this point forward in trying to secure a comeback. Yep. And what happened, Tom? I think we all know what happened. Sean Clifford tossed one of his... You know, an, another horrendous interception. Like, yeah. how do you throw? That I mean, bomb? and by the way, that was practically like almost in where, 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 or where was that? That was almost in our own red zone when that happened. Yeah, we are at the at the twenty three yard line. Our own twenty three. We were we were in position to at least score a field goal. Right? Or they, yeah. Well, no, 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 no. No, no. We were at our own 23. No, no. I'm sorry. Own, my bad. Own. My bad. No, yeah, no, no, we were. Our own. Right, right, right. My bad. No, they, we gave them the short field. That's the, And that was the story of our turnovers on this yes. yeah, day was giving giving the short field to them. to Like, their, their offensive numbers were not staggering because they didn't need to be because we gave them the short field. I I, yeah. I don't have it in front of me, but I, I'd be interested interested to know what their starting average field, field position. Yeah, starting yeah. average field position looked like. Um. So, so. Yeah, so we give up, give up, you know, throw the interception, uh, results in a field goal for Iowa, and basically that interception is what what kind of. I mean, our defense you know, buckled snatches, down there too. By the way, it, just it snatches on. defeat from the jaws of victory. I mean, we weren't that close to victory, but like, you know, that that interception, we, you know, at that point, the the offense, you know, just starts sputtering. That we we end up having to punt the ball away again um and then we end the game our basically our last meaningful possession was a pick six yeah i mean what you know again real quick like you know we turned that ball over there with with clifford's interception it was egregious but the defense you know didn't give up a touchdown there it's still 
what, like so we were down 10 prior to that interception we yeah, were only we're down, down 13. 13 right like so two touchdowns still two touchdowns away from a victory two touchdowns, two touchdowns seven touchdowns minutes left on the clock and there's time right. and then and then our next drive dude we went nine plays for 18 yards took four minutes off the clock and then punted the ball punted the ball like i like we were like midfield and it was i think it was we were at our own 43 yeah Okay, it was very. It was oh, but I mean, we I, had made it to midfield. We, we had gotten to the saying. fifty, and then he was uh, took a seven. Clifford took and, a seven yard yeah. loss at, yeah. with a sack. It was bad. It was just bad. It yeah, was just it was. A bad, it was a bad. Game it was fourth and seventeen. Yeah, uh, it was fourth and seventeen uh, at the forty three. At that point, I it's understand. hard to fault. My it's, point is. My point is when watching that drive, the the collective offensive sense of urgency was completely yeah, dead. Yeah, totally absent. There was no... You, you're taking four minutes off the clock, you're down two touchdowns, and there's how much time left in the clock? Like, you, you know, you're it, when we punted that ball, there were, it was seven minutes left in the clock. You know, like, we we took four minutes off the, off the clock, and there's seven minutes left, and we literally only gained 18 yards, and just... It didn't... It didn't... It didn't yeah, make so, sense. So here's the here's the start of that drive down 13 with seven minutes on the clock. Uh, pass complete to Kevon Lee for seven yards. Pass complete to Kevon Lee for one yard. Pass complete to Daniel George for four yards. Pass complete to Brendan Strange for three yards. Pass complete to Jahan Dotson for two yards. Like like so you would you had brought Clifford out of off the bench to throw two passes for 96 yards and two touchdowns. And then you do what? He throws one interception, and then you only let him dink and dunk. Like, yep. what do you have to lose? And then go and then down he, the field. And then you run for Clifford. Run for eight yards to the fifty. So we're first and ten now at the fifty. I mean, and it was then, same old Clifford after that. He started two for two Clifford, for ninety-six yards. Yep, Clifford and finished eleven for. Sorry, Clifford sorry, incomplete I'm, I'm pass, and then Clifford sack for seven yards uh, loss, and then third and seventeen. Uh, Clifford passing complete to Kevon Lee. So, you know, that, I mean, that, that he was 11 for 20. He was 11 for 20 for 73 or 78 yards after that with two interceptions and, yeah. and a, and a so, pick six. So, you know, it's just that possession is quintessential Penn State this year where you have an opportunity to do something and right at the moment that that you've just started to get something going you just you know you just totally tank um yeah and then you you know you finish with a pick six <laughs> um to, to to have the final score 41 21 um in a game that could have been closer, but for most of the game, actually, you know, you're surprised that the score looks we're, that good. <laughs> we're staring at a a full blown, like, quarterback, like conundrum. We don't have there, there's no answers. Taquan Roberson, the third string quarterback, did not dress. He is apparently, I guess, assume injured. I have yeah, no idea. it's hard to know. It's hard to know what what's going on because, of course, Franklin does not give information about about the team like that unless you unless it's a season ending. Which, as we so, just said, we know so, Prior Muth is also there's a season ending injury. Oh, that is season uh, ending for sure. So, so we we but, were told but, about but that. Yeah, but we also yeah. have we also have um, Ford and T Tariq Castro Fields 
uh, on the sidelines, not available. Jaquan so, Brisker yeah. was nicked up several times in the game. Brandon Smith was nicked up in the game. Um, you know, so they the both came bug, back in the game, but it's just coming. It, it, we're getting the the injury bug train. Is you know, catch, is, a, literally, you know, I mean, this is injury to insult is what we're, <laughs> what we're seeing here. Um, you know, again, Fryermuth, along with Micah, along with Journey Brown, like was supposed to be, you know, one of the stalwarts of, of last year's, uh, you, you know, Six, very successful team in a lot of respects. 11-win season. You know, these were the pieces that were supposed to be back. There was and now all of them read, seem to yeah. be dropping by the wayside, right? There was every so, reason to think that that all the pieces coming back this season were going to create uh, this momentum of success towards a college football playoff berth that everybody, everybody around both Penn State football and college football agreed that this team has the pieces in place and the pieces coming in to support those pieces that are already in place, namely the coaching staff that was coming in. So, yeah. So let's talk about the bigger picture because, you know, in some ways we've run down the story of the game. It's a, you know, it's a different detail to the, for the same story of what we've seen all season, which is mistakes, uh, execution errors, um, just lack of toughness in some respects. Um, you, you know, our our big uh, guys I, against their big guys. I wonder if they're getting coached hard enough. Well, so so let's just let's talk about the bigger picture and how might we characterize what's what's happened here. And and one, I'll just jump right into where where you had left off in terms of where we were at the end of the Cotton Bowl and what we were looking forward to. Um, you, you know, one of Charles Dickens' great novels is great expectations. And, uh, you know, I don't know if you've ever read that book or seen, you know, a movie it's based been a on long that time. book. It's been a very um, long time. You know, but... Um, Can you give me the Cliff Notes, please? I will give you the Clifford Notes. Give me the <laughs> Sean Clifford Notes, please. <laughs> um, you know, basically, there it's, it's this um, sort of this kid who who has nothing going for him and a wealthy benefactor kind of takes an interest in, in him and uh, invites him to, you know, make something of himself. And uh, her niece is someone who he fancies. And so he goes off with great expectations to London, uh, you know, to, to achieve the success that he thinks is going to bring him, uh, you know, renown and, and answer all of his, you know, life's problems. And, um, he, you know, so he goes off with great expectations. And, you know, what he finds is that for all of his efforts, uh, those expectations never materialize. And all of the things that he wanted just just don't happen. And by the end, he's sort of left picking up the pieces of his life, trying to make sense of why why it never came together and, you know, sort of making peace with the fact that he's not going to get the girl. He's lost the family connection that he had previous to that, and he's got to start all over. That's how it ends. Uh, spoiler <laughs> alert. Sorry about terrible, that. Terrible. Terrible. <laughs> you know, but so, you know, like you were saying, like, we had great expectations going into the season. And, and some of why we're, we're so, uh, you know, beside ourselves right now is because those expectations, not only have we not met them, but they've just been exploded. They're, they're, they've been destroyed. There's no way to get them back. And you, we didn't see it coming. It's like an atomic bomb went off. It's like, 
It's like, you know what it's like, Andy? It's like, like, uh, like a supernova. Ooh. A supernova. Like, you know, the expectations of what, you know, three out of the last four seasons were, you know, great seasons. It, historically speaking, I think it was the best three, it was the best four season stretch since 1968 to 1971, Penn, Penn yeah. State history. Yeah. You know, and, and so the, the, so we're, we're, we're sitting here at this brightest point, which is what happens to a star before it goes supernova and becomes a black hole. And which is what we're dealing yeah, with here. Yeah, actually, you know? that's, I mean, it's a great analogy. And like, if you're witnessing that as an and astronomer, and if your expectations were such that you want, you were expecting to go brighter, right? But here we are, a total collapse. Like that. Yeah. Well, what, was, what I was about to say is, if yeah. you if you're witnessing the supernova explosion, you know, yeah. it's amazing to watch. Like it's an. If you're not event, a Penn State fan, you you're know. like, oh yes, yes, this totally. You're like, it's like amazing. <laughs> you know, there are people who hate Penn State and they love it. They love watching this, just yeah. like we loved watching Michigan State last year. But oh, like, like when, watching Michigan this year, allegedly. If you're in, if you're in range of that explosion, you're not happy about it because it's destroying you along with everything in the system. You know, you do not want to be a planet well, orbiting so- that star. So it's interesting, Andy, you know, uh, my buddy Joel, I said earlier, he made made a comment to me um, yesterday or the day before, maybe that I think is worth bringing up, you know, the last time we felt like, like, you know, we were witnessing this just utter destruction was during the Sandusky era. You know, right. and it's, it's different. It's not the same. You know, that was kind of off the field stuff going on, but it obviously related to on the field fallout. But well, especially that, with the sanctions and and that's, things like that. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. But like when 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 that stuff was going on, do you know what the team did? Like, yeah, we lo- we lost some players to you know we were poached by other coaches, and and the NCAA was like, yeah, anyone on Penn State can leave and go wherever they want, you know, and not be penalized uh, and have to wait a full season. So you know, it was open open rain. But guess what? Some te- some players, when the n- moment was darkest, and you thought that our, some of our best players and, b- and best leaders could go off to greener pastures, they banded together, and they said, "No, we will not let the NCAA and everybody else that's saying whatever they want about us to dictate how we are as a team and how this team functions and how we move forward and how we." Are still playing as a team, you know. Michael Motti and 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 um, oh that full ba- uh, Zordich, Michael Zordich, yeah. mm-hmm. and 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 of course, you know, um, our quarterback Matt, Matt McGloin. These guys got together and said, "Hey, we we, put, we drew a line in the sand and said, yeah, we will not be enough. torn apart." And and that's kind of like you said to me um, before we started recording. You know, who is going to? to draw a line in the sand on this team right now and say enough is enough and like do something about it. Cause that's that, that feels like the crossroads crossroads of where we're at right now with this team is like, who is going to, to put their, their money where their mouth is. Cause we hear a lot of like, we need to play as a team. We need to do this and we're not doing it, but somebody has got to make the rubber meet the road somewhere. Yeah, Otherwise, and, we are looking at a, a, a defeated team. Well, yes, <laughs> defeated in the sense of not winning a game. That's right? what I'm that's saying. The trajectory that we're not, on. Yeah. 
and, and you got an you undefeated know, and of, defeated. Speaking of stories about uh, great expectations that have been smashed, and I love the supernova idea, but there's another one that uh, that um, we mentioned, uh, which is the sinking of the Titanic. <laughs> Right. I mean, yeah. here's the, I, we're we're I mean, analogous the, people. This is we are going to give you some analogies that are that are just you hadn't been thinking of. Don't worry. Yeah, we yeah. got them lined up. <laughs> well, and here's where this fits for me, right? Because like, first of all, the Titanic, it was expected to be the unsinkable ship. That was the billing, right? Uh, it was the largest ocean liner at the time. It was, you know, everybody wanted to climb on board that ship. And in a lot of respects, that's where Penn State was at the start of the season. Uh, Tyler Donahue has a great uh, series of tweets where he kind of runs it down from the Cotton Bowl. And he talks about what Franklin did um, in the offseason in terms of, of his coaching staff was a power move to hire away the OC from the the one team that really that, Yeah, it was know, a home really run hire. Nobody was saying this totally. was a bad hire. Nobody. So, so, I mean, again, just thinking about our expectations for the team – I mean, we were a dark horse for the for the national championship this year. By certainly, people were saying that, and and it shows in our preseason ranking as well. So, similar to the Titanic, um, you know, like we expected smooth sailing, nothing can get in our way, and of course, that maybe that leads to complacency, or maybe you just have, uh, you know, the completely unprecedented, unexpected circumstance of the iceberg of COVID right in your path. And, you know, whether it was mismanagement on the captain or whether it was just, un, you know, unforeseen circumstances in terms of the positioning of that iceberg, th- you know, this, the ship is now sinking. Totally. And, and the, the interesting thing about the Titanic is the way that people, you know, the people in charge responded to that. And one of those ways was that you had musicians playing music on the deck of the Titanic while it sank. Almost sort of like this, I'm just going to pretend there's nothing to see here and there's nothing wrong. And a little bit that feels like some of what we're seeing. Again, we're only getting a thin sliver of, of information. We don't, it's only what our eyes can see on the, on the sidelines. But it just feels like people are going through the motions. There's no sense of urgency. There's no, like, there certainly were stories coming out of the Titanic of, uh, you know, heroism where, you know, people got, um, you know, survivors to safety and made sure that that there was some future for them even while the ship was sinking. But for so many of the people on that ship, it just felt like it was like, oh, oh, well. <laughs> and yeah, you just sort of you mismanaged the crisis, you know, to make it worse, basically. Well, wh- where did they not mismanage the crisis? Not not with Titanic in another circumstance in in history, Andy. Where did they not mis- mismanage the crisis? Well, that's another one of our stories. I think you're pointing to Apollo 13, right? I am. We're going to re-reference Apollo 13. We already talked about it earlier in the season, but it that was before we knew how how dire bad it was going to. How get. bad? How bad? And uh, you know, of course, Apollo 13 definitely one of the best movies made in my lifetime. We love Tom Hanks, just for what it's worth. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, just a great story, you know, of of American ingenuity and heroism. But, you know, we all know the story and the great scene where, you know, they dump out, you know, all the things that are in the, you know, the one part of the ship that they have available. And they say, we need to make a we, we need to make something like this fit into something like this using only this. Using right? only these. <laughs> and, and then there's also a, a time crunch 
piece to it because they only have so much oxygen left um, before they're going to die. So, you know, it's this, and this is sort of where the team is, right? Like the team is about, they're dying. The, you know, they're, they're going to burn up in the atmosphere. Something, if something doesn't change, the team is totally toast. Well, and and you can yeah. only use like you have these very difficult circumstances in some ways unforeseen in some ways, you know, maybe it was mismanaged up to this point. But whatever it is, you've got the current circumstances and the current tools right now. You've got to find a way to make these pieces work together in such a way that you don't totally you got to make two true freshman running back carry the brunt yeah. of the burden of running the ball because they did not take care of the business of running the football again in a game against Iowa with a stout <laughs> defense. You know, Clifford was the second leading rusher with 13 yards coming in off the bench. Oh my Will, gosh. Will Will Levis was the leading rusher, <laughs> you know, in a multi three fumble effort with 35, I think 35 yards. And and the the two backup running backs, these these true freshmen, they they I, I, you can blame the offensive line, you can blame them. Like the point is, it's on their shoulders now. And the, between the two of them, they managed they managed fourteen yards. Yeah, between the two of them, between ah. on ten carries. Yeah, Devin so- Ford before he got injured, three carries, two yards. So the, you, know, you know these are the pieces that you have to work with. You can't right, go out right. and get a new running back right now. No, you can't. I mean, speaking of quarterback conundrum, which by the way I love that word. It feels like more than a conundrum here, you know, but it is it, you know, I mean it's you've got two quarterbacks neither of whom has shown the ability to take care of the ball even though they've shown some uh, talent in flashes. They're fool's gold in terms of what they can do for winning a game because totally. what they do for losing a game overpowers what they're able to do to win a game. So th- again, those are it, part it, of the pieces, it, it, right? You've got you've got four new coaches who've had to figure out how to coach, uh, you know, new players in the middle of a pandemic. You cannot change those circumstances. Those those are the tools that you have to work with. And the question is, are you gonna are you gonna let these this team die for lack of oxygen because you can't figure out how to, you know, filter out the effectively the poison of carbon dioxide out of the air before, you know, time's up. You know, the other, the other thing that they had to figure out was how to, how to keep the ship from burning up in the atmosphere. And all these things were time sensitive. Like we're in the middle of the season. We can't press pause. No, you know, we can't just say, you know, let's skip this week's game. And we don't even even have any bye weeks to get things right. Even if we exactly. Right. Even though Dabo Sweeney apparently accused Florida State of uh, intentionally not playing the game. Did you see that tweet? <laughs> yeah, it's it's that's a bad look in college football, oh, as, you, man. as you said when you on. sent it to me last night. Uh, Dabo Sweeney is a, just wants to compete in football. He just wants to win games like he, 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 you take away the ability for him to win a game that that irks him to the core. So and there, there was here another we are, here we are on the other. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, there was another great. You know, burn um, on Penn State was probably one of the best I've seen of the season. Uh, It was an article that you sent me about, um, you know, how the, um, uh, you know, how the the playoff committee had decided to meet in person, and they were they were saying like, apparently the committee, it is so, 
boneheaded. But apparently the committee's rationale that they offered was like, well, the teams are traveling to play, so we want to show solidarity with them. And the article, you know, the article said, yeah, uh, that's because you can't play football with just one team on the field. Yeah. Much as Penn State is trying to show, try like basically saying we're not showing up for games, and I I don't have the article in front of me, but it was an amazing burn. It was, I mean, you just got to give props to the guy. I'm trying to find it right now, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's it? Kirby Hoka is the is he still the the leader of the college football playoff? Is that who it is? I don't even remember anymore. The point is, like, of all the times you could meet in. You know, Zoom. This is the perfect c- scenario to be like. No, we're just meeting in Zoom. You know, yeah, we <laughs> like everyone else in the country. You're is ranking doing- college football teams. You don't need to sit there and debate in person. Like we all know, you're going to come down to the the whatever the four they are. You're going to come down to Clemson, Alabama. You're going to come down to Ohio State, and pri- and like then maybe your conversation is about who the fourth team is, and you're gonna you're going to be trying to. Uh, justify BYU and Cincinnati over a power five team like Florida. You know what I mean? That's like where, that's where the conversation will lie, but you could do all that uh, via zoom. Like (laughs) we're digressing big time right now. Yeah. Well, you know, nonetheless, um, (laughs) what was your point in bringing that up? (laughs) uh, What was my point in bringing that up? Just, you gotta bring this home. You gotta bring it home. Yeah, just uh, gosh, I've totally lost track. But uh, <laughs> uh, Apollo thirteen, we've got to we we've got to find a way to um, to make do with the pieces we have. You know, we can't just decide to fail to show up. Um, you know, we can't just pack it in and 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 sort of send in our you know in writing our forfeiture of the game. That that's sort of where it, where it came from. And, and you know, speaking of of you know, Apollo 13 and, and sort of the mentality that was required. David Jones uh, had a really nice article just in terms of perspective. And it was he a sort paywall of, article that, that I was able to circumvent by using the airplane feature, airplane mode <laughs> feature in my phone. If nobody knows how to get around P- Pen Live's paywall, you this is load amazing. the article, you load the article, and then immediately you click the link and then you immediately hit the airplane mode on your phone so that you can see the whole article before the pay, paywall you know, whatever comes up. <laughs> sorry, David Jones. Sorry, Greg Pickles. Sorry, everybody that writes for Bob Flounders, you name it. That's how mm. you get around it. Okay. Yeah. It's, we're on the, we're on probably the cheap fix- here at uh, Blue and White yeah. Brothers. But anyway, you probably just, you probably so just. I copied, I copied and pasted that entire article and sent it to you via text so you could read it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so thank you for that. And it's, it's a great good article, article, David Jones. Um, again, uh, you know, just sort of giving. Real quick, real quick, real quick about David Jones. I just want to say. In years past, when like you know, I wasn't quite so um, level-headed as a fan when it comes to critiquing our team. David Jones has been very critical of our team, and it led me to not like him. It led me to not like him as like I like you know I couldn't um, come to grips with the idea of somebody writing for Penn State football and being critical or somebody writing for Penn State and being a fan? Like, what are you? Are you a fan or do you hate Penn State? Like, what are you? What are you writing about Penn State football for? And David Jones, I've grown to appreciate his voice when it comes to Penn State football, being a beat writer, because 
he's very good at being not a fan of Penn State football and writing about what what really is the core of what a problem with a team can be. Yeah, he's or not writing least, with like rose colored glasses. Or, I mean, I'm a fan. I'm yeah, a fan. So yeah. though, so I I it's tough for me. But for with him, I and 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 you know, I think like as a 30 year old man is I'm I'm in my 30s. I'm 37 now. I have grown to the point of not letting my emotions totally dictate my perspective on the, on the team. You know, like I back in the t- like 2002 when Larry Johnson was running for 2,000 yards and we had like hopes of hopes and dreams, and in 2005 when we had hopes and dreams. Um, Losing a game felt like it was the end of the world to me. But now it, now it still hurts, but I can see other things and I can understand other things. And David Jones does a very good job of bringing them out. Yeah, and, and by so, the way, he's been on the beat for a long time. He In this yeah. article, he talks about posing a similar question to James Franklin that he posed to Joe Paterno during, uh, I think it was maybe the 2004 season when the team was really tanking terribly. So that gives you some perspective of, of, of how long... Uh, Jones has been on this beat, but it, it, and in some ways it was a very um, even keeled article. You know, he's not saying the only obvious thing to do is to to let Franklin go or whatever. What he says instead is that, and this is a quote: "The only way to solve this problem is systematically and deliberately with level heads and sensible plans." And that's kind of the analogy with that Apollo 13. Like, yes, there's an urgency. Yes, like lives are on the line, which frankly, in this case is not really true, except maybe with COVID. And so you applaud Franklin for, you know, apparently avoiding any outbreak on the team at all, perhaps to the detriment of being the team being able to perform its, its function on the field. But again, you know, although the circumstance is not quite as... Um, as dire or as important as in Apollo 13, the way out of this problem that, that Jones points out is to, to work it systematically and deliberately with level heads and sensible plans and, you know, to act emotionally or rashly or things like that as the fans really want, you know, as, you know, and you and I were, we're texting back and forth, um, you know, over the weekend. And it's like, that's our first response as we just, you know, what's the SNL sketch where he's like, fix it. <laughs> yeah, I want you to yeah. like that's our yeah. re- you know that's our response, and and truthfully, you know whether it's from Coach Franklin or Sandy Barber, others in the program, the players themselves, they've got to rise above that and find a way to, as you said, draw the line in the sand, and and figure out and then put into practice the things with the resources they have at hand to keep this team from being utterly destroyed. Which it really feels is the direction things are going right now. It feels bad. It feels really bad. <laughs> I mean, let's put it this way, Andy. I, I mean, I can I I came up with a little bit of a a rundown on on where the the, the football team stands right now, and we haven't even really gotten into the into, into the Franklin talk quite yet. Um, you know, but this is Penn State's first zero and five start in its one hundred and thirty three year history. It's you know I I I th- I haven't like totally been able to check this fact, but I believe I'm correct when I say this. The worst season to season collapse in college, like season to season from from last year to this year, the worst season to season collapse in college football history 
was Michigan State in 2015 and 2016. They went 12 and 2 in 2015 and 3 and 9 in 2016, which was a nine-win swing. Okay, Penn State was 11 and 2 last season. We have three regular season games left against Michigan, Rutgers, and then Michigan State. Which, by the way, land grant trophy. Um, <laughs> but um, so we have so so and then and then we have a uh, a final week week nine against a cross division foe, which right now it's looking like I guess Illinois, right? Um, I suppose. And and the Fighting Lovey Smiths, you know, smashed, and I mean smashed Nebraska this past week. Like they looked, they got it going against Nebraska. So we couldn't even get it going against Nebraska. But the point is we have four games total left. And, you know, if we went two and two, we would tie that worst season to season collapse in history. Yeah. Do you think we can go two and two? Like, have you seen anything that would lead you to believe that we can even win two uh, of the of the next, you know, four games? We, I, I don't even know if we can beat Rutgers yet. And I'm not trying to look ahead too much, but I'm just trying to highlight this, like where we are now. You know, not if we if we didn't go two and two over the next two games, it wouldn't only, you know, if we went worse than two and two, let's put it that, that way, it wouldn't only be the worst Penn State season on record, but it very well could be the worst college collapse in in history of college in the history of college football. It could be the worst season to season collapse in history. I, I mean. I mean, and we've been saying this for the last couple of weeks, but, uh, you know, I say anyone who's still listening to this podcast, I just want to say brace yourselves because, uh, you know, until we see something different uh, in terms of, of performance and full game uh, execution and, and fight – um, and pride. I, I, I agree with you. I, it's hard to see us going even two and two. That seems way too optimistic. And I think, you know, the likelihood is that we're we're going to struggle to win any game this season. No doubt. Um, so, you know, it's like that. Uh, I think it's what's if you've ever been on the uh, Pirates of the Caribbean ride, you know, abandon hope all who enter here. Like that sort of feels like where we are in terms of of of, of of being able to to win a game in any case, and th- and that's not to say, look, trend lines are about the past, and in a lot in a lot of cases, what has happened in the past is uh, indicative, although not predictive, of what is likely to happen in the future. No doubt, sparks can change in in a absolutely in a of, things you know, can. I mean, ju- right, and and just like. You know, three, but, but so, three so straight, that, three straight winning seasons. Uh, right before this turned into total collapse, totally unexpected supernova uh, level uh, to black hole collapse. You know, something else can happen that turns it right around, and who, and who knows? Yeah, like I mean, we were we talking about the, four, right that we were talking right. about between the um, 2004-2005 season. Right, um, one play seems like it 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 sort of. Uh, crystallize a turning point, and and who knows that I think we can still hope for that. And there's definitely talent on the team and talent in the coaching ranks that that there are possibilities left for something, you know, signs of life. But until we see it, I I gotta say we we gotta brace ourselves. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, my mind is braced in the sense that I don't see 
us climbing out of the hole anytime soon. That, but maybe that's just like my own like personal defense mechanism. Yeah, for, we're on the like, sidelines, right? We're watching, you know, like you said, someone on this team or or a group on this team or the I mean something they're responsible for for doing something to turn it around. We're just we're just sort of sitting there kind of and we scratching still, our hands and know, wondering what we're supposed to feel about it. And my feeling is brace yourselves because this may not well, get and, any better. And, and in any typical year you would see more you would see more like the the media would have more access to the team throughout the week. The media would have face to face access with players and coaches during post game, during pre game, during middle of the week, you know, activities. And here we are with needing more answers, at least from a fan and media perspective, and having less access to those possible answers than ever before. And that and 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 so it probably makes it easier for Franklin and these players to to be more like you know less uh giving of information but we've also seen franklin and these players be a, a little bit more a little bit more not, not 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 to a satisfactory level from a fan uh, point of view but a little more um giving of information than we've seen in years past from franklin he i mean he's t- he's it's almost like he's 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 saying i'm not making excuses but hey here are some things that are happening that are incontrovertible to what's happening with this team. Like yeah, th- and all these those, are facts. All those things continue to be true, you know, and because they continue to be true and we haven't seen any evidence that given the circumstances, we've figured out how to, you know, how to turn things around. That's why I say, you know, we gotta, we gotta be prepared uh, for, well, for so, things to so, continue to go down this road. I just, you know, what I wanted to say is that the, what we are seeing is, ongoing confusion and lack of answers for what we're seeing, both from Franklin and from the players that have been made available, like the both in both their responses and in their their body language and tone, we're just we're seeing that nobody knows what to do about this current situation. The body language on the sideline, both from a player perspective and a coach perspective. And in the press conference. It, yeah, it's a bad look. It's a really bad look, in fact. Um, it's a defeated it team that doesn't yeah. under doesn't know what's going wrong it and doesn't know how like to a, fix it. It looks like a team that has been losing for years. It does. You know, it really does. It, I mean, it, it, it's hard. You, you pull out some of those analogies, but you you know you think Rutgers of the last few years. You think of, um, you know, some of Illinois, those mid majors like expect to lose, right? Like, I mean, that's yeah. why they haven't fired Lovey Smith is because they they're just like we are losers and we lose, but we have a coach who comes from a high pedigree and we can't replace him with anyone better, and so we just this is where we are. This is there are other are. reasons why you're playing for those teams, right? Right. There are other right. reasons yeah. that you feel the team when you but have so, no hope of of success or excellence. So that would that can in part explain the the def, the the overwhelming defeated nature of this Absolutely. team is how high the expectations were versus where they are now is like so and you talked about a team that has something to play for. Like when I say that, I mean you talked about to me before this podcast hit record. Yeah, you know when we were trying to go over some things that we want to talk about, but but this team, you 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 can't even play for 
really, I mean, you're on the cusp of possibly still having a winning season. If you win these next four games and then get a bowl game, somehow miraculously, you can still be playing for a winning season. Yeah, never thought about it that way. That's I, I no one's talking about it, but but any number of any team can make a bowl game this year. If Penn State wins their next four games, somebody will give them a yeah, bowl. They, game. I if bet they you show signs of life. Uh, no one's you know, talking about it. I, you heard it here first. Just saying, we can still have a winning season, but all signs are pointing to total crumble of of all of that. But, however, what I'm trying to say is, you said this isn't a team that really should be looking for like, what do we have to play for? You said this is a team that should be like, what the hell do we have to lose? Yeah, I mean, you sort of like you throw out the playbook, you throw out everything because none of it's working. I mean, you're on the trajectory to to have the worst, one of the worst seasons in football history, let alone Penn State history. And, you know, I mean, it's, you know, again, thinking about those analogies, those stories that like it makes you think a little bit of like Braveheart or the Patriot, you know, where it's like – uh I didn't want to be in this situation. I don't want to have to deal with this. And now you've just, you know, killed my wife and, you know, or... In, and my, in the, or in my the, sons or whatever right, the or in case Right, or in the case of the Patriot, right? And it's like, now you've gone and done it, you know? And then you just sort of like... And now ev- we're a rabid dog as opposed to as opposed to a wounded animal. Yeah, as opposed to, as opposed to a wounded animal just sort of like cowering in the corner we, as the wolf comes up to devour it, which is what it's felt like we've been... Every been, team has treated us like the wounded animal. Yeah, just sort but, of but put it out of can, its misery. If we can be like, you know what? Our backs are against the wall. Enough is enough. Put up or shut up. Like, fight to the death. You know? Like, like be... Like, make the next team... It's Like, even if we lose the game, make it their worst nightmare in terms of walking out of there with their victory. You yeah. know? Yeah. And like, <laughs> like that's you know, where the... And that's where the coaching aspect needs to come in. Yeah, it just feels Franklin. like we're clinging to these... You know, process these processes, right? The it's like a Michigan, 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 one and oh, you know, and it's like the it's, words it's are there, de- but the, a dead horse, it's a dead yeah. horse, yeah. So, so can we, you know, throw it out, just say, you know, forget it, guys. The you know, art, let's of have some beating fun. A dead horse, <laughs> the art of beating a Franklin is in the middle of, of, of teaching us the art of beating a dead horse. Well, you know, is it stubbornness? Is it nothing comes from it, is it deer in the headlights? Is it is it lack of energy or creativity? I mean, but again, you know, you feel like you you need to have some change on every level because because nothing is working the Throw way it's supposed the to. The book out, Franklin. Yeah. I, as a fan, that's my that's what my brain tells me. Like, yo, man, like shake this up, like like bust it loose, like make people fight for their jobs every day. I was saying that after the Maryland loss. Like make people fight for their ju- their their starting. Like it's not out of fear. It's out of like, hey, we're we need like it has to change. Something there, has to change. I mean, we we talk about uh, you know this as a leadership. Give challenge. Micah Bowens the right. starting like quarterback job because nobody uh, the other two can't get it done. I don't care if you don't see in practice that he can do it. Like, hey, guess what? You you couldn't do it on game day here, and and you're not doing it time after time after time after time after time again. It's got to change. Something has to change. Like you got to 
you know, from a right. from a leadership perspective, like Franklin's losing it. You know, Franklin's um, approach has been lead with love, right? And it's it's compassion. It's I care about these guys. He, I mean, he carries the. You can see him. He carries the burden of the sort of emotional life of this team, and you know, it feels like that is part of what needs to be jettisoned. Like, you know, maybe he needs to stop caring about the emotions of these of these young men and instead sort of bring them, you know, challenge them, you know, challenge yeah. them to, to, to perform and say, yeah, for I a guy do, that talks about challenges all the time, right. I care about things. you. I care about you. And because I care about you, I'm going to say, here's the performance standard you need to make. And if you don't, we're going with the next guy. It's not personal, but it's just life and reality. And here's what you have to do. If you want to keep your starting job, here's what you have to do. If you want to win a starting job, you know, and, and say, you know, again, maybe that's not the right approach, but I, I think something's got to, got to change in the way the coaches are working to stimulate well, that, some sort of, uh, response on signs of life. Regeneration of attitudes. Yeah, exactly. Regeneration of confidence. Yeah. Regeneration of mentalities that led to a winning mentality for, Franklin hasn't had a losing season, you know, even in the face of the, all the adversity coming out of, you know, with sanctions and then coming out of sanctions, dude won seven and six. For yeah. I mean, and years we felt pretty bad about seven and six too. That's we felt year. bad about him, but like, you know, <laughs> it's like, I don't like that. We should be doing better than that. Yeah. So, I'm yeah. So, so, you know, this is the flip side of that and let's, yeah, let's get to the flip side. The The, the flip side of that is. If you, right, and by all accounts, Franklin's a good coach, right, in a tough situation. By most accounts. Well, you know, I mean, he's not a Let's great coach. Let's say most. Let's at, say most. At this point, he's he's a good football coach. Um, yeah, you don't gotta, get to where you are accidentally by, like, slipping through the cracks. Like, he's done things over the course of 20 years of, of coaching yeah. to merit, uh, you know, Penn State hiring him as their head football coach. And he pulled us out of the doldrums. He, you know, before this season, he had back-to-back top 10 recruiting classes. He's coming off of, you know, 11-plus wins in three out of the last four seasons. 11 wins out of the three out of the last four seasons with a win over Ohio State, a, you know, pair or three, was it, uh, Three New York Six bowl games, two of them victories, and you know all Americans and this, that, and the other. Yeah, playing well. Yeah, playing exactly. Well, and he, you know, so so again, we don't have to argue how good a coach he is, um, but he, you know, his record shows he's a good coach, a good football coach, and so in some ways, what we have is a good coach who's having a bad season, right? I mean, bad is probably a mischaracterization, abysmal. Terrible, awful season. Worst, what, how, worst historically know. speaking right. ever. <laughs> but you know, one of the Which things is what makes this so hard. One of the things that you know, in terms of like a thought experiment, and we know that we can't expect Franklin's going to be fired just because of the buyout, and we can talk about that in a moment. But like thirty-two million is that what we found out? Thirty-two million was his. Was wow, I mean, it's just, it's just you can't do that right now. You can't. Yeah, you can't do. Um, let's let's just a thought experiment. Let's say you could. Let's say there wasn't a buyout. Is it there, going to way, be? Before, by the way, real quick. Yeah. Before, before, if you're saying if you're making the what if there wasn't a buyout, you know, 19 days before the pandemic hit, his buyout was 11 million dollars. 
Right. Like even in that situation, you might, you know, might be much more tempted to to part ways with Frank. So Lynn at so this before point. that before that extension, you know, 19 days before the pandemic hit, which is by by all counts how this season's domino, uh, you know, falling began. Right. <laughs> you know, the, the buyout would have been, you know, something you could have bought out. <laughs> well, and just keep in mind that was when the contract was announced, but it, it likely was true. That's true. Okay, it, that's it likely fair. was You're arranged. Right. You're right. You know, months earlier, even if they were still working on details. But in any case, let's just assume that we could let Franklin go. Like there wasn't a buyout to worry about or whatever. I still think it's a question of whether or not that would be the right move. Because, I mean, I know we're all thinking like we would like to have a spark and like just we're so frustrated with the way things are going. We want uh, we want to place blame on it. But like, yeah, it, it could go right and we get the right coach to help turn things around and and you know thanks franklin for all the years of effort and now we're going a new direction but how likely is it also that it could be a situation like you bring in the backup quarterback and he does a will levis and you what you thought was a great choice turns out to be more of the same and then you're in a worse position i mean think about you know tennessee after after fulmer or you know think about florida state i mean after after yeah, and even Florida after Urban Meyer for a while was pretty I mean, bad. And, and you think about these these programs that have these like look at Harbaugh now, you know? yeah, revolving door uh, coaching situations. It, you know, I think I, I'd be interested in, in seeing a study of this. But like in the long run, schools that have a good coach and stick with them versus schools that do the coaching revolving door, like compare those two. And over the long run, which team is likely to have success? And, and I do think, you know, we live in a culture that's like, you know, what have you done for me lately? And if things aren't right, you, you know, fire the guy at the top. It happens not just in coaching, but it happens in business. I, I really have some, some doubts as to whether in every case that's the right move. Certainly leadership is a huge component of whether you have the success that you want to have, but it's not the only component. And some days, you know, the best leadership is still going to be unable to overcome the problems that you face. And this is not an apology for Franklin, by the way. I, I think there are things that should be critiqued about his leadership and about what is being offered right now. But I think taking a step back, we still have, on the whole, a good football coach having a bad football season. And it might not be the worst thing in the world to stick with the guy, assuming that he's able to continue to be a good football coach. Well, you know, yeah. I mean, it's it's tough to predict the future of any coach. Exactly. It's tough to, it's tough to I mean, I think, I think um, Bobby Bowden might not have won his national title until like season I want to say like 19 or something like that like yeah, this instant success idea that we have um just by you snapping your fingers and changing a coach that's that's not historically how it happens very often yeah I mean the the the, the money is typically on uh sticking you know staying the course I want to say the money I mean like the smart play is yeah is sticking with the 
you know, your coach and, and through thick and thin. Um, I mean, even after Mark D'Antonio's historically bad season, they I think they've had they had one or two 10 win seasons after that utter historical collapse. So there's a there's a leadership book that um, I've read. It's a great it's a great book. I recommend it uh, for anyone. It's called Canoeing the Mountains. And he talks about dealing with, you know, leadership in unexpected situations. And and he offers this mantra uh, for leaders and and, you know, their organizations is (laughs) stay calm, stay connected and stay the course, because what you're tempted to do in these moments is the opposite of all those things. You want to freak out, you want to blame other people, and you want to try something totally new and go a different direction. Um, and many of the cases, those choices lead to death. <laughs> like if you think about <laughs> wow. a survival survival scenario, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Like you said, the 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 smart thing to do, and similar to David Jones was saying in his article, you know, is to work the problem deliberately, level-headed, uh, sensible. You know, you may not be able to solve the short-term problem, but you got to keep within eyesight the long-term prospects um, and and sort of, you know, abandon total abandonment of everything you've done up to this point. If there's no other good evidence for it, simply that your things are going poorly right now, that may lead you to further problems and get in deeper trouble. And last thing we want is for, you know, this abysmal, dismal season of Penn State's to, you know, not just turn into a one or two season problem, but turn into a perennial issue. That's not what we want. You know, we'd much rather to have one or two difficult seasons, but in the long run over the next 10 years, have largely a stable, successful program. Let's put it this way real quick. Um, Without doing all the math um, in my head right here, right now in this conversation, I've got Bobby Bowden's... um, you know, Florida State resume in front of me here, season by season. And his, his, uh, you know, he started coaching Florida State in 1976. He didn't win a national title until 1993. Okay. And, you know, he, his first 10 years with Florida State was riddled with some, you know, underachieving seasons. You know, he he would his his first season was five and six. His second season ten and two, but then you know eight and three, eleven and one, ten and two, six and five, nine and three, eight and four, seven three and two losses, nine and three, seven and four. Like he, you know, wasn't the consistency wasn't didn't get built into his system until after the first ten years of him being with Florida State. And then he went and then went and rattled off 11 and 1, 11 and 1, 10 and 2, 10 and 2, 11 and 2, 11 and 1, 12 and 1, 10 and 1, 10 and 2, 11 and 1, 11 and 1, 11 and 2, 12 and 0, 11 and 2, until 2001 when he finally had his first 8 and 4 season after that run where he was just rattling off double digit win seasons back to back to back to back and winning bowl game after bowl game after bowl game. So, like, you know, Franklin's. You know, building. I, I don't. I. I. I'm. I, every week I go through this like f- wave of like fire Franklin to like cooler heads are prevailing to understanding the bigger picture. Every week of of us losing, I've, I'm I'm growing more perspective, and it's not to be an apologist for James Franklin's shortcomings. I think that you know 
he needs to be criticized and very hard for how he's allowing this team to play. But, you know, there are so many things working against him right now that it's tough to tough to judge him based on straightforward merits that we're typically used to judging coaching. So my only like point here in bringing up Bobby Bowden in Florida State is that if you stick with somebody through thick and thin – you know, it could eventually produce those results that that a, a coach, when building an organization for like system, um, I think systemic is the right word I'm looking for, or systematic. Um, you know, uh, like just putting forth an entire organization that understands the process systematically, year in and year out. Like that doesn't happen in the first four years or five years because. It you know things shift things change and and before you know coaches are leaving here and there and it's just you know you almost have to like just bl- almost on blind faith think that it can happen because there's no you know history doesn't tell you what the future is gonna be you know what I'm saying yeah um, I I've seen some leadership studies that have said that you really as a leader can't change the culture of a program for ten years. Right, exactly. It's only it's only after ten years, and it, you can have success before that ten years. But it's only after ten years that you really have the opportunity to be the sort of leader that can change the culture. You know, and part of what Franklin's trying to do is get these guys to be elite. And of course, this is like the one hundred percent polar opposite of elite right now. Um, right. You know, but in some ways, you know, Franklin's midway through the culture changing process at Penn State, um, it's possible that this is an outlier. And um, we won't know it's an, whether it's an outlier for another few seasons, right? Um, right. Um, you know, but again, yes, there's a risk in sticking with a guy who's who shows the propensity to tank in such a hard way. Yeah, it's not like we have a draft pick we're tanking for right now. <laughs> right, yeah, right, yeah. Someone tell Franklin. <laughs> we can't, we can't get Trevor, we don't get can't get Trevor Lawrence, <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know, um, so that's that's the risk, right, that, that this is the start of a trend and, you know, he's quote-unquote lost the team or, you know, he's not suited for these circumstances. But, 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 but the other side of the risk is that, you know, you interrupt something midstream that um, – would have had a chance to grow. That's and- a good way of putting it. Interrupting something midstream, you know. I, clearly, Franklin has plans that we aren't. We'll never be privy to the the long term plans. But like, so let's bring up. Um, you know, we were talking before the, the we hit record. Uh, like ways to, you know, speak analogously of of this team. And I don't even know if that's a word, but I liked it. Yeah, it works. Good. Analogously. Okay. Mm-hmm. Analogously. It's a $5 uh, word right there. His first name. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. I, so anyway. <laughs> um, uh, so, you know, we talked about, I brought up It's a Wonderful Life, the movie. Yeah. So, so you know, in that movie, um, George Bailey, um, you know, he, he had everything going for him. And then it all kind of came crashing down. Like in, a, his in, fam- a, in an instant, right? In an instant. In and an he's, instant. And he's standing on a bridge 
you know, by the way, his life wasn't exactly easy and he had given up and no, sacrificed no, no. a lot, you know, for the good of the people in his town. He was a guy that led with love in a lot of respects. He set aside totally. his own desires totally. so other people could succeed. You know, it all comes crumbling down. He's now labeled a criminal. You know, it seems like, you know, none of his sacrifices are worth it. And he's standing on the bridge thinking about ending it all. Right. Yeah. That's the and, the, and, and, the and, endear. And he's by all respects, the he's, dark of the dark. Everybody, you're led as a viewer, as a as a you know as someone watching this movie, you're led to to believe that this guy held this team or this this. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm giving. I'm showing you my hand. Held this town together, um, but but really, it was the town that in the long run held him together. Yeah. Because they they showed him love. Mm-hmm. In the end. Right. Because of what he had given to them leading up to that moment his whole life. Yeah. You know? I mean, so, yeah. on the one hand, he has this, you know, he has this angel that comes and like gives him perspective, right? Like that's one of the things, gives him perspective, helps him to see what he really has. It's like, you know, what he thought what life was really about, you know, whether it's financial success or whether it's, you know, the business or whatever, like what he realized in the end that that what he had was so much greater than what he felt like he had lost. But although the angel helps him see that, in reality, it's the rest of the town, you know, once he sort of comes back to himself, they come in, they come pouring in at the end, and and they rescue him in the way that he had rescued them throughout, you know, his whole so life. So are we George Bailey? Are the fans George Bailey? Or or are <laughs> who's who here? Well, I, I mean, the question is, are we, are the fans going to be Mr. Potter? Right. You know, yeah. are, are, are we, we going to, are we going to burn George yeah, burn Bailey him to, the, to ground. the ground? Yeah. Are, yeah. Are we, or, but the, when I was saying, are we George Bailey? Like, are we the ones jumping off the cliff? <laughs> like, yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know? you know, and again, part, part of what that movie is about, and it's one of my favorite movies. Interestingly enough, it was not a box office success. People did not like that movie. It was not well regarded when it came out, but now it's this holiday classic um, in part because all time great, all time yeah. great. You know, of course, you know Jimmy Stewart. Like he's like, you know, our, the the olden days like version Hanks of Tom of the, Hanks. Of I was going to say yeah. that, yeah. <laughs> um, but um, you know, so it, you know, it what it is designed to, to do in part as you're watching is to help you recognize what's really important and where meaning is really found. And, you know, Bailey did not have a, a good life in many respects. He wasn't rich. He wasn't – he didn't realize his potential, at least in terms of, like, yeah, worldly, you know, reaching the pinnacle yeah. of, of financial success or, 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 you know, career success. And the little things he did day to day didn't seem like it amounted to much. And in a lot of ways, he sort of lost perspective of those things. And, and, and the movie – the second half of the movie is about him sort of regaining that perspective – you know, and I think so for us as fans, um, you know, I, I think it's about wins and losses are, is not totally it's about the end, reclaiming the end our understanding of what what brings meaning to being a Penn State fan. Right. Is it about being the best? Uh, is it about national championships? In some ways it, it is. It's part you want that to be part of it. But like I have always felt like as a as a Penn State community, it's been a lot 
bigger than that. Um, the success with honor, the you know the, having a community, the the biggest alumni base there is, you know about supporting a university community beyond just uh, the football field. Um, you know I think that there are bigger things here, uh, but I also think that like you know in terms of the story of the season for James Franklin and the team, you you really want them to have a George Bailey moment as well. And realize yeah, you want you want this team to not totally you want these boys these these young men to not hang their self worth on if they were one to know or not every week. Yeah, and and you know to that end, you know there are people around this program, and maybe we're maybe we're not one of them because you know we're not going to be able to come pouring into the the house we don't have that kind of access to franklin uh or to these players but there are people who do yeah we're not dictating anything <laughs> yeah but i'm just saying there are people who do that have a chance to like to lift these people up and to support them and to not you know encourage the um uh, sentiments or instincts of cannibalism uh, or abandoning ship or anything like that. that you know, there, there are bigger things. There's more purpose and meaning in what's happening right now than simply want to know. And, you know, and that, to that extent, going back to the leadership thing, like maybe we just need to abandon that mantra right now. Maybe it's not about want to know at this point. Maybe it's about deeper things, about, you know, about the meaning of, of maturity in the face of adversity, about learning in spite of circumstances. You know, I have a, um, a, a leader here in my church who said to me, uh, he's a re- now retired heart surgeon. He w- um, was the head of um, uh, the, the, um, all, all of the new um, doctors who came into his program. And um, he said that he would tell his uh, students, experience is a hard teacher. And I, I, it's the first time I heard that phrase, but it's so true. You know, experience is a teacher, and that's the, these guys are getting a, a huge lesson. But it's a hard teacher because you really hard lesson because you really only learn through mistakes. Every every single fumble that Will Levis or Sean Clifford gives up is a lesson, but it's a hard lesson. You know, to learn through those experiences that every loss. Is, is there, these these guys are learning if they're open to it? The, the the coaches as well, learning what doesn't work. <laughs> if you're open to it, it's a experience is a hard teacher, and they're learning hard lessons. But there are bigger things than just want to know at stake here, and I hope they're able to see it. Yeah. So so we're we're gonna. Um, that's enough for today, I think. Uh, yeah, probably on on all those fronts. <laughs> um, we could. Talk Speaking a lot of more art about of beating it. a dead horse. Yeah, this the art of beating a dead horse um, has been on display today uh, in exhibit blue and white. Uh, so we 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 want to at least um, look look a little forward to next uh, episode, which I don't know when we're going to record that. Whether it's Tuesday or Wednesday, we're not sure. Um, Ideally, it's going to be after the uh, Tuesday press conference, um, but with it being Thanksgiving week, by the way, happy holidays, everybody. Yeah. Hope you're being smart, wearing your masks, staying Stay socially safe. distanced, um, not being indoors with people outside your house for too long, um, all such things, uh, just being safe and healthy. We, we're, we're looking forward to everybody, including um, the football team, being healthy through this season to continue the season and to continue um, life as we know it. Uh, but the point is, 
Um, we should look ahead a little bit um, and things we're going to be t- discussing in that episode is what, what, you know, Franklin says in the presser and what some other players uh, come out and um, say. Uh, in yeah, their and press- of course we'll pressers. be doing a, um, you know, a preview of Michigan, another team that's having their yeah. own uh, you know, challenges and expectations dash, not quite. Well, that's what we'll, we'll not quite suck in wind as, si- as badly as we are right now, but um, we're going to. The QB situation for both teams yeah. is completely for the first, <laughs> for the first time that I can remember. Mm-hmm. And maybe I'll, I'll look and find, you know, a, a time in history where it was possibly the same, but basically both teams have a QB controversy and both teams are under 500. So that's a, that's a theme we'll be discussing. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll be looking, um, at um you know what the the coaches and and players need to change in order to have success and and maybe there's not much more to say at that point but we'll be looking at that um we'll we'll look for you know uh any any insight on player availability going yeah depth going chart forward. situations uh-huh so um yeah, and then you know, again, it'll be a holiday week, so um, assuming we can get a very it very in. interesting matchup, man. Um, this Michigan game coming coming up, very intri- very intrigued by it, especially since Michigan and Rutgers just played each other uh, in a triple overtime game Saturday night. It, it was I have I have a lot to say about even just watching that game in in uh, reference to what Penn State's doing. Uh, so we'll, we'll get into all that. I think the biggest Um, thing I'll be looking for, especially from that press conference is, can we discern any change from coach Franklin, either in terms of, you know, mentality, a demeanor process (laughs) or yeah, game plan or process. Just anything. Can we see that, have we seen a shift from what we've seen up to this point in the last few games of sort of, you know, desperation and confusion and loss of morale. Can can we do we see any hints of Has anything rock different? Has bottom forced someone to make any drastic changes anywhere on any level? Yeah. Also, <laughs> Are I'll we be rock bottom I'll be, yet or not. I'll be looking for that. Um, and uh, yeah, so we'll 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 get into that next episode. Um, hey, by the way, you know, we didn't give a uh, a a score prediction last game. Oh man. So we'll also get into whether or not we're going to give a score prediction for I, this game. I don't. Okay. I feel. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Yeah. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll talk about whether we're going to give one next episode. We'll talk about it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so you're saying there's a chance. Um, By the way, just, just for funsies, be thinking about this moving forward. Penn state under James Franklin has never won in Ann Arbor. So working against us. Oh boy. Well, yep. um, in any case, we'll get in all that next episode. Uh, thank you all for for sticking with us. Um, Tom, starts with I love you. Ends with I love you, man. Thanks for sticking with me through this season. Uh, we'll get through it together, bro. Yeah, we sure will. We sure hope so. <laughs> and another Fingers episode crossed. coming your way in just a few days. Until then, everyone, right. take care. Thanks for listening to the Blue and White Brothers. Join us next time for another great episode about Penn State football. Want to make sure you don't miss an episode? Be sure to hit subscribe before you go. And if you enjoyed the show, please don't hesitate to give us a five-star review with overwhelming words of adulation and praise. 